0: Hello and welcome to the Open College podcast series. My name is Oksana and I'm the host of this podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Caroline West and we'll be talking about all things to do with sex education.
1: So without further
0: delays, here's Caroline and what she had to say.
1: My name is Dr. Caroline West, and I am many things. I'm a sex educator, a sex columnist with the Irish Independent. I teach um, on various courses about research methods, um, as well as doing sex education as well. And I write in the media about sex and sex education and consent, all those kind of things. So basically, anything kind of sex related, you'll you'll kind of find me popping up on there somewhere. (laughs) amazing. Do you
0: know what I love though? I love that you have doctor in front of your name. When I was younger that was like <laughs> I wanted to get there but I was like mm, bit hard we're not getting there. We'll just stick It to was this. a lot it's of fine. work. <laughs> oh, I see so a PhD. Like how many years did it take you to complete your
1: PhD? I did mine part-time because I I needed to work as well because that's life. Um, So it it took five years, which isn't bad because full-time was four. So I was like, oh, I might as well have a bit of a life as well and and just take the extra year and do it. So um, that was fine. And that that was my PhD was on um, women's experiences working in the American porn industry. So that was a whole weird and wonderful world to dive into for a few years anyway as well.
0: Yeah. No, I'd say that's interesting. It's one of those... um, I don't know, can I even say it's a tab- taboo kind of topic, but it yeah. is very interesting when you get into
1: it. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's fascinating because it wasn't salacious at all, but I think like porn is a really great thing for looking at so many aspects of society. So we can look mm-hmm. at things like feminism, gender, history, communication, visual media, um, business, you know, p- how people can be like hustlers, self-employed, um, mm. power dynamics, there's so much to it. So once people get past the oh my god it's porn part, there's actually yeah. like so much material in there. Like I used it to look at stigma and violence and, and so that was a really mm. interesting area um, to really look at. So I think yeah it's, it's fascinating and, and that's the joy of studying sex as well that like as soon as you think you know it all you absolutely don't and something else weird and wonderful comes up and you're like wow people are into that and it's like yeah there's what is it eight billion people in the world so there's eight billion different ways to get off and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. people do so in many many strange ways and it's kind of fun fun area whatever (laughs) whatever they're into
0: yeah Um, now for everybody listening Don't be alarmed. We're not going to be talking about porn or anything like that. (laughs) Caroline's on to discuss sex education in schools with us. Um, So I suppose the first thing I kind of want to ask about that is um, how was sex education introduced into schools? Because obviously Ireland is Catholic and we were strictly run by the church for quite a long time. So how did that get um, introduced? And I suppose a bit of a background about it.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, uh, you know, like you said, yeah, it was very strictly religious back in um, the 20th century. So I think people started to realise, okay, we need to actually have conversations about um, family planning, like, you know, up to the 70s condoms were illegal, which is still bizarre to even, even think about. Well, they were technically illegal until the 90s, but it kind of relaxed until then. But like essentially up to the 70s, your doctor was the one who decided whether you were done with your family or not. So they, they would prescribe condoms. Um, and there's bits of research that started coming out around this kind of time that showed that people actually didn't have any understanding about how um, babies were made and, and contraception and their people having pregnancies when they didn't want to be pregnant and you know all this kind of thing um so there was starting to be that public conversation about actually we need to like let people know what's going on with their bodies and how they can protect themselves and then so in the mid 90s um it was decided to introduce sex education in schools and and make it um, technically mandatory ac- across all cla- all all um schools, but obviously it didn't quite work out that way. It's technically mandatory, but it depends on the school. But um yeah, so it's 20 odd years old now um, and desperately outdated in many cases. And this is why there is public calls for um, a review in 2019. So um we are still waiting for the reports and the recommendations for that review to still be implemented. Obviously, COVID has Um, Allow that to be delayed a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's been a it's a weird twenty years. Like, look at the social change we've gone through in Ireland. You know, it's it's very much, um, you know, playing catch up (laughs) with all the changes that we've had there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. And come here, I need to ask. Actually, um, you're saying that some schools teach it, kind of. Some others don't. It's kind of like a grey area. There isn't strict regulations around it. Why is that now? Because from the little that I know. Isn't sex,
1: or sorry, sex education supposed to be as part of SPHE? Yeah, absolutely. It is. The problem is, so there's some research that came out around 2017 and I said that teachers want to teach it, well, some teachers, um, Mm -hmm. but because the curriculum is so packed and there's so much focus on exam subjects that it just kind of gets shunted to the side and it's not viewed as important Mm -hmm. as uh, maths and Irish and stuff like that. So there just isn't the time. And then other teachers have said that they're actually just too embarrassed to do it or they're just, you know, they don't feel comfortable with it with the material that they're teaching, whether it's too religious or whether it's not religious enough, you know, so people Mm -hmm. take different approaches to it. So a lot of it actually just gets outsourced. And the problem with that is it it gets outsourced to predominantly to religious organisations who will then promote obviously a very specific type of sex education. And there's nothing wrong with that objectively, but it's when it's the only option, it's not great because people want to have choice because not everybody is religious and will adopt a religious approach to sex education so yeah it's a a bit of a mess at the moment and so many students literally for 20 years have come out and said I didn't get any sex education I'm like that's not good enough anymore you know no like even when I kind of first approached you about this
0: and I said it there at the start I don't remember getting any kind of sex education in school the only thing I remembered that was even kind of close to that was in first year When a woman came out to the school to teach the girls all about like um, your menstrual cycle, that was that's literally all I remember. And, you know, in in biology class, they taught Mm -hmm. you about the reproductive system. But other than that, nothing. nothing. Yeah, okay. we
1: didn't get that at all. We, we got a little video of a cartoon, a um, man and a woman in a house, and they literally closed the door and then opened the door and they had a baby in their arms. And I was like, oh, oh you're magic. kind of missing a few steps there. <laughs> like, exactly. the of that. like, it's so bad. But I, I've taught students in third level a, a couple of years ago. And so obviously they're fresh out of the this, this secondary school system. And they said they were t- taught the cell tape method. Have you heard of this? No. Oh, it's horrendous. So it's it's religious based. And um, so okay. they get the students to line up in a row and roll up their sleeve. And um, a, a bit of cell tape is put on one student's arm, the first student, and then it's ripped off, put on the second student. And then it goes all the way down the line. And then the moral of it is that that cell tape is your virginity. So at the end of being in, you know, interacting with lots of people, it's used up, it's gunky. it's dirty, it's no longer fit for purpose, and it's painful to rip oh. it all off. And it's like, that's not sex education. That's, that's just horrific. That's <laughs> shame. Yeah. That's shaming you, basically. Exactly. Kind of. And it doesn't work. Like, that's like every single place around the world that has sex education that's essentially don't have sex, you'll, you'll, you know, your bitch like will turn green girls. and you'll die. Yeah. Like yeah, it does like green like, yeah, girls quote. Yeah, yeah. Oh That's it, like and it's like proven that to work. Like even in the US where they have absence only education, like they have such high rates of teenage pregnancy and teenage STI transmission. And it's like clearly something is not working there.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And when it comes
0: to, just going to loop it
1: back a bit, I suppose, to primary
0: so primary school education or sex education, um, you were saying that teachers kind of don't feel comfortable. They don't, you know, one reason or another, they don't teach it. What's the kind of i suppose the communication coming from parents how do they feel about all this i know everybody would be on a different yeah. opinion obviously
1: there seems to be mixed approaches to it i mean some people are absolutely opposed to any form of sex education coming into the school and they mm-hmm. say like you know look we'll teach that at home and then there's others who are like i don't have the skills to teach this i would like to te- the schools to teach it or some people are like okay let's do we can do both i can teach and you can teach at the same time um but i think you know sometimes there's a lot of rumors going around of like oh sex education in school is it's going to teach your four-year-old how to masturbate and it's like nobody is going to do that like that is yeah. not like what's going to happen or I've heard that yeah, yeah and I, like that was something that was kind of brought out by the far right and you know um when the review was coming out that um children age zero to four were going to be taught how to masturbate and it's like no like who no that is not going to happen. Um, no. so there's a lot and that, you, but you know, the problem with that is that's preying on people's anxieties. Cause a lot of us are having anxieties around sex anyway. And then mm-hmm. a lot of anxieties around t- talking to our kids about sex. Like most people are really awkward about that. And most parents didn't have good sex education themselves. So, yeah. you know, it, it's kind of hard, but like on one hand, like, I get that's totally hard on the other hand like it's so great that there's so many more resources out there there's some great sex education books um, to help you talk to your kids about this kind of thing so um, we we do live in a good world it just has to the message I suppose has to be brought out there to help parents feel a little bit more comfortable with the whole situation as well because like sticking our heads in the sand just doesn't work anymore.
0: Do you think that's a societal thing as well, though, that because sex was kind of seen that way, like I said, at the start of a bit taboo to talk about or like, oh, Jesus, nobody has sex. We all just, you know, we close the door and a baby appears, like you said. <laughs> yeah. that, like, is that a
1: societal thing that nobody kind of wants to... Get involved yeah, in all this. Yeah. Absolutely in Ireland. Like look at our history. Like what we did yeah. with sex was um lock women up in Magdalene laundries and torture them and steal awesome. their babies to sell them. Or, you know, abortion just wasn't talked about, it was outsourced to the UK. Um and we didn't prosecute any kind of sexual violence in Ireland, like pretty much at all until the last few years. And even then it's still quite minimal mm-hmm. um prosecutions. And so we just we just weren't able to talk about that. And the problem with that is it kind of caused a sense of intergenerational trauma. If you have so much, like if you think back to grandparents, like my my nanny, luckily enough now only had two kids, but well, her sister had something like 13 kids and about three miscarriages and you're like, you're constantly pregnant or having sex and some of that may not be consensual and the damage that does to your body and you know but if you if you're told to basically to shut up and give birth then that's it like you know there's no space for talking about the traumas around that or or to even understand what's actually going on with your body um, and those things and it's just turned into this intergenerational trauma about sex is this really scary thing it's this really traumatic thing but we don't know how to talk about it we don't really have the words to describe it fully and then So we don't have the words to describe the bad stuff we definitely don't have the words to describe the good stuff like the pleasure part. like orgasm is a dirty word for some people you know and it's an awkward thing so we kind of have to tackle both like the the negative sides of sex and the positive sides because you know i i just look at like teenagers now and it's just like they live in a world where sexual violence is quite common and overt and yet if we're not empowering them to know what a healthy relationship is and what abuse is and what consent is I just think we're kind of throwing them to the wolves and Mm. that's just not okay anymore to do that yeah well that's because you just mentioned there that like currently now
0: there's so much kind of sexual violence going on and I've kind of heard a lot of people argue like oh, well, this is just a new modern thing that people are coming out about this because before it was just men flirting or, you know, all this kind of thing. But I don't think that was the case. I think it was always the problem. It's just before it wasn't talked about. It wasn't normalized to talk about it. And also back then, like like that, people were just like, oh, they're only flirting with you. Oh, that's just how a man shows you that he likes you or something.
1: Like, no, that's not the case. It's just people are seeing it for what it is now. Yeah, absolutely. And naming all that as rape culture. I mean, if someone's flirting with you and it causes you trauma that's not flirting, (laughs) like that's violence, you know, (laughs) and that's why people are like, oh, I'm afraid to flirt now, and it's like, well, maybe you should reassess how you're flirting with someone if you're, you know, afraid to do it now, like if flirting should be fun and easy for all parties involved and obviously consensual, but, Mm -hmm. you know, this absolutely was going on, and we were first able to really talk about it in terms of, Institutional abuse. If we looked at the Catholic Church when we finally started accepting and talking publicly that this was happening, because these were all open secrets in Ireland, we just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But now we also have to reckon with, um, you know, dating abuse and sexual violence within marriage. And like, like, it was legal to rape your wife until the 90s in Ireland, mm-hmm. like yeah. that still shocks me. You know, I was like, yeah. you know, I mean, in my teenage years in the 90s, like it's not that long ago, and you know it's just wild so we don't really have the words for this a lot of the time the problem is like there's research like women's aid brought out a report last year that said you know quite a large number of young women had experienced dating abuse and half of them had experienced it under the age of 18 so it's like that's not okay and there's a active consent study the sexual experiences study and it showed that something like 30 percent of um women in their first year of college experienced sexual violence and for men it was 10 and for non-binary people it was about 20 percent and it's like that's shockingly high and they're only the numbers that have spoken up about it because obviously sexual violence is so underreported so you know my whole argument about um sex education that is that it's not enough to just say here's how you make a baby or here's what a period is you have to talk about The emotional side of sex and the fact that this is a way people can experience quite a lot of hurt and pain and trauma so we do need to talk about it if like every workshop i've done on image-based sexual abuse lately er, just teenagers going this is rampant in my school and i we don't know what to do it's like Mm -hmm. this is like 16 year olds having their nudes shared without their consent like it's yeah absolutely horrific so we need to like that's it's very uncomfortable to think we have to talk to 15 year olds about sexual violence and consent, but like we do and they're yeah. crying out for it. Like they want this conversation, but they need people who are trained and objective and not going to come at it from a very shaming way of, well, just don't have sex. Like, yeah. you know, that 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 doesn't work. People have sex because it's fun, you know, and not because they're trying to make a baby and stuff like people have sex because it feels good. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be doing that as, as a teenager, whether we like it or not you know that's that's nature of life that's what people do
0: yeah that's it so you can close your eyes to it but like it's still happening whether you like to admit it or not so then when it comes to the sex education and it will start in primary school I suppose how is it taught now and what would you say or how would you think it should be taught in comparison so I mean obviously take the religion out of it Mm. is it should be should it be more scientific should be more from like maybe a counselor perspective that someone should come in and you know
1: teach about the kind of mental well-being side of it or you know combination yeah. things maybe a bit of all of it I suppose I would love it to be very objective it should be you know you need a qualification in Ireland to teach maths so we should need a qualification to teach sex education it should be just the same as any other subject so it needs to be regulated like that but um I think like I'm a massive fan of teaching consent from womb to tomb um mm-hmm. because if you teach consent to people in primary school. It's not that big a deal when it comes to sexual consent then later on because you've already established that that consent is a vital part of society so you don't have to teach consent in any regards whatsoever to do with sex so you teach it as in do you ever see the little american videos and they're like um kindergarten kids and before they went to the classroom, they hid a little picture outside the door and it's like, one is a hug, one's like a fist bump or a handshake. Yeah, I
0: love Uh, that. I used to do that when I, I used to work in creches. That's how I kind of started off. And we used to do that. It's like, what would you like? A a hug, a a handshake or whatever, or even things on like TikTok where we used to, where I used to see um, even mothers, they have like, you know, a mommy account or whatever, and they talk about consent in the sense like, do you know the way now, or for even when we were young, An auntie would come over, or an uncle would come over, and they're like, Oh, give Uncle Bob a hug. And you're like, I don't want to. And then you're forced to give this uncle a hug. You don't want to do it. So, this whole thing of like, No, she's not ready for a hug.
1: So, just relax yourself <laughs> like absolutely and it's so healthy like that's how you model consent by not forcing your child to be touched by someone that they don't want to be touched by yeah you know and I just think that's so healthy and we can like what consent really is is about respecting others you know respecting their body and having your no respected so you're teaching kids like you don't tickle someone unless they want you to you know and that's mm-hmm. how you, and so then when it becomes time to bring sex into the equation it's not it's not as big a deal because they already have that huge foundation that's there. So I think that's really important um, to know. And I, I think as well, some people are quite shocked that, like, you know, periods start around nine or 10 a lot of the time these days. And, you know, so nine or 10 is still primary school. So there's a lot of people who are in primary school and maybe might start their period and they have no idea what's happening and might think they're about to die or just, you know, something's wrong. Um, and then, you know, I think. That needs to be taught and it needs to be taught inclusive as well. So some people would separate the genders when it comes to sex education. But I think that's really useless because then you have boys growing up and going, well sure just just like hold it hold in your period you know and it's like oh, yeah. that's not how a period works at all I wish it was but um so including everyone in and using inclusive language we have more than two genders you know and I don't think there's any need to make things gendered um you know we have trans people and non-binary people so we can just say people who menstruate you know that includes everybody um so I think and I think a lot of people young people now are much more inclusive and way more than older generations anyway so I think that would be a really massive start to it then then you can bring the more sexualized well, not even sexualized content that sounds like a salacious word but just sexual information um mm-hmm. into second level you know when, when that's a little bit more age appropriate then as well so I think at the moment we have programs like the stay safe program and before you decide and they're really good because they teach about um you know how to protect yourself from abuse and I think that's really important for young people to know about but there are some people who absolutely want zero of that out there you know and and they don't even want their kids to be taught how to identify if someone's touching them in a bad way and I think that's not really okay because we have to face up to the fact that child abuse is you know fairly common which is Mm -hmm. horrific to have to say that even you know
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah no, it's a really, it's a really scary thing, but it,
0: like I said, I agree with you, it should, and I, I would like to think everybody would agree with this, that this kind of thing should be taught from an early, an early enough age where when a child can understand and have it age
1: appropriate, obviously, and like you said, bring yeah, it up through absolutely. the
0: levels. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose, what can you tell us about
1: the Flourish programme? Yeah, so this made quite a lot of headlines recently, and this is um, a religious Catholic um, or sex education program, and it was mm-hmm. taught in very, very reductive terms that um, sex was a gift for God to be saved within heterosexual marriage in the context of having babies, and that puberty was a gift from God. And again, look, I have no problem with Catholic sex education if that's where you want to go, but mm-hmm. when that can't just be the only option available to us. And that's not how most people have sex anyway. Um, So I think, you know, that's fine if you want to send your kid to that. But for the rest of us, that is extremely um, exclusive. You know, we already have quite a lot of sex education programs that exclude um, our queer young people who are then reporting, you know, something like 73% of our young queer people report being bullied at school and feeling isolated and suicidal. And it's like that is not okay. So inclusive sex education is one way to look at this. But I think if you, if you aren't, you know, the Catholic education is obviously not going to teach you out different methods of um, birth control and contraception because it's outside their teaching. But again, it, like. Do we want we look we recognising people are going to have sex. Do we want them to also be getting STIs unnecessarily or teenage pregnancy unnecessarily? No. So then we need to empower them when it comes to sex education and you know making the right choices for their body. And I think that's really really important to do. So I just think they didn't read the room very well of knowing that like, you know, we really want modern sex education. There's been a lot of calls for for a long time and the NCCA review will show that, you know, we need to have more um, modern, objective, inclusive and fact-based sex education instead of a religious viewpoint. You know, it it just doesn't work for the 21st century that we live in now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And has anything kind
0: of I know you're saying there's all this research, but is anything actually getting developed to have a more kind of
1: comprehensive sex education? Yeah, the the review recommendations were published around, um, I think, around December 2019. So it it was a two stage review. The first stage was open to parents and teachers and students and kind of interested parties. Um, And then it was open public consultation from July to, um, I think, November um, 2020. 2019, and that was where anybody could submit um, a suggestion. And then their their recommendations seemed to be quite good. You know, they did recommend, look, we do need to talk talk about porn, even though they they were quite like, look, we need to talk about the harms of porn. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, that might be a very narrow lens. But they also recommended. Talking about contraception and to definitely make it inclusive um, of different genders and sexualities as well. And now Leo Vradker came out in the doll a week or so ago um, and said that LGBTQI um, relationships should be covered in sex education as well. So it seems like it, you know it should be kind of moving in that direction. So hopefully it will be there. Yeah. Now the problem with 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 that review is that you can be as um, inclusive and fantastic and modern as you want but sometimes the ethos of the school is Catholic because I think yeah. the church owns something like 90% of the schools and um, mm-hmm. so they may not just teach it in the school so um, Ruth Coppinger the politician tried to bring in a bill that said regardless of the school ethos objective sex education should be taught now that bill never made it into law unfortunately but you would hope that with the new new review like you know it would be pointless if, if it's so great if, if the schools are blocking it so maybe that's where teachers need to um, work with parents to see look you know can we see about bringing this in like lobbying the school to say I want this in or you know let's have a meeting about it or something like that maybe, maybe that might be the way but yeah it's like we're so close to it but so far away at the same time it's just hard because
0: you have to battle something like the church because like you said if the church controls 90 percent of schools in ireland they're not going to want to let go of that grasp and then there's also the different opinions of all the parents that you have to battle and all the different opinions of the teachers that you have to battle and it's just it's a lot to get through
1: yeah and in the midst of all that battle the kids are missing out yeah. you know it's like we can fight over the ideology of like what's right and what's wrong and in the meantime. Kids are out there getting STIs unnecessarily or, you know, being violated or just being in abusive relationships. And it's like, it's just not good enough. Like, it's absolutely not good enough anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. The awareness really needs to be there. And then I suppose when you compare it to other countries, even let's just say in Europe, like how, how do
1: we compare? Uh, pretty badly. Um to, yeah. to some places. Um the UK are kind of reviewing their sex education at the moment in some places. Um but Sweden and the Netherlands seem to be quite progressive. You know, they're very inclusive, um, very objective as well. So they they seem to have quite quite good approaches um to things. Um I think the Germans are kinda not not the worst, but not the bad. They'd be kind of in the middle, I suppose. But um yeah, we we would kind of be like very bottom, some students are coming out saying they got no sex education, so you know there's not much to compare to if it's a zero, you know, percent on that. So, yeah. but you know, like there is research, you know, to say that when there are places around the world where there is comprehensive sex education and that includes things like com- contraception and consent and things like that, that the age of first sexual activity goes up so you know people don't have teenage sex anymore they're more likely to use contraception they're more likely to understand consent and they're more they feel more empowered to start having sex on their own terms when it's right for them and it's like surely all of that is a really good thing you know like that's none of those examples are bad things so even if you were like desperately opposed to sex education Surely it's a good thing to want to make kids have sex at an older age or to, you know, not have unwanted pregnancies. That's, I don't see how that's a bad thing, you know, to have. No, it's absolutely not. But I suppose it's kind of hard to battle with
0: with people and how, I suppose, their moral compass and how they were brought up, again, by an even older generation than us. So if they think whatever way they were brought up is correct and, oh, sure, look, I turned out well and, you know, all this kind of thing that they maybe immediately think that well my kid's gonna be no different and they're gonna turn out fine but again you have to think about how like the world is changing like just because you were fine doesn't mean that the same will apply to your child hopefully it will but who says
1: yeah, absolutely. And look, like, you know, when we were growing up and all the rest, we didn't have to deal with image-based sexual abuse in schools, no. you know, what we used to call it as a revenge porn. That, that just wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. And we didn't have smartphones, so we weren't watching porn, you know, in our pockets yeah. and stuff like that. It's a very different world out there. And, you know, it, it's just... I just don't think we're empowering people by refusing to give them decent sex education now because you can't rely on parents because it, like we said, parents didn't have that themselves. Um, and maybe parents who even want to, you know, it's, they mightn't have the literacy skills to, to look into it or, um, language skills. You know, we have lots of parents here whose English isn't their first language, things like this. So it, it's, you know, it's a complicated area. So I think treating people with compassion and, um, kindness and recognizing this is a very anxiety ridden area for most people I think is you know the key to start I think mm-hmm.
0: and what about then so obviously this is going to be like everyone's going to have different opinions of it but what about say to the parents who do want their children to have to get a sex education and they're just not getting it in schools is there places that they can go to um I want to say like an extracurricular but you mean like maybe like a workshop or something that's done that they can do it separately outside of school
1: yeah, there are some um there's an amazing um sex educator called Sarah Sproul and she teaches sex education in schools but she also helps parents and um, she runs workshops for parents to get more comfortable with, with parent and especially around uh, the concept of sex and sex education and going you know oh my god how do I deal my my kid just asked me about what a clitoris is how do I deal with that which is probably terrifying for most parents to go oh I gotta gotta answer this somehow you know and so that's amazing to have a great resource there and um, I think for parents as well when it comes to things like porn there's a website called um, thepornconversation.org, which is really great because it, it gives kind of age appropriate tips on how to talk to your kids about porn. And it's, it's very much has the message of you can't stick your head in the sand. So let's get on with it and let's learn how to do this. So I think that's really good. Um, you can also ask your school as well, like to bring in people like Sarah to give education. Um, in the school. So I think that's really important. you know she's well used to teaching around as well. Um, there's also another woman, um, Jenny, I think her name is and she works at Life Connections and she they teach um, in primary school as well. So there are options out there. Do you know it's just getting the school to kind of get on board, but maybe talking to the other parents are going, hey, here's these like non-religious, kind, calm, inclusive educators out there like why can't we ask the school? would this be an option or maybe ask if they'll do like a private lesson or something like that you know
0: yeah no definitely I think that's a really good idea because even after I asked it I was like maybe that's a bit stupid to ask because I don't think anybody who's 15 or 16 wants to sit in a sex talk amongst strangers <laughs> their own
1: age yeah no it's to so. it be an awkward thing but actually you know I found teaching first years and stuff in in colleges zoom and stuff like that has been really good for it because they've gotten to ask questions that they would never go to a class for or never put their hand up in front of their peers and say hey you know I have this question they would never do that and you know one of them at one of my courses said hey um, how do I go about losing my virginity it's like they'd never ask that in in you know a physical class so I think you know exploring the world of um, online sex education for, for young people is really really important and there are resources out there and I just think that takes away that awkwardness factor of you know you have to be there watch mm-hmm. you know blow away in the classroom and getting all yeah. awkward and not making eye contact and stuff. Whereas you can just jump on Zoom with, a, you know, not even with your full name and just join in. I think it's fantastic. Oh, definitely. It's like online
0: kind of presence definitely helps in, in things like this. Um, yeah. I do think, because you're just saying there, that they're also kind of brave enough to ask things. I wonder, is that a generational thing as well? Because what are they called? Gen Z now, is it? Um, yeah, yeah. I've heard people say that they're just so open about things they're just brave about everything they're very like everything that people my age are not apparently <laughs> so i wonder if it's that that's just kind of their generational thing that it's just it is what it It's all talk about it no judgment no stigmas do you know
1: yeah i think yeah i think it can be a little bit um you know when last time i was teaching in a classroom i had a few people in my classroom they come up and say oh my friend is queer and or they're trans and i was like amazing like to see that someone that's so young can be out so so um you know publicly at that age. I think actually I saw research the other day that the age of first coming out in Ireland used to be something like, 30 something and then it dropped to 22 and now it's at like 17 and a half and I just think it shows that people are feeling more comfortable and safer you know to to be able to come out so that's fantastic but I think you know we also live in a world where people are getting sex education from Instagram and TikTok and you know sometimes it's not great information but sometimes it's um, you know really handy like there's there's so much content on Instagram like cool graphics about so much aspects of sex so including like sexual trauma as well and I think wow that's like it's great to have that resource at your fingertips when I definitely didn't have that in my day and age you know so um yeah I think digital literacy is kind of you know plays a role in that as well Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah definitely and the other thing I wanted to ask because I suppose it kind of comes up under the topic but correct me if I'm wrong so the other thing, because we were talking about it when I was in school, I remember us being shown an abortion video. Mm. And again, it was all very one sided. It was all like this is it was it was basically like a scan and you see the baby being aborted. Um, and obviously it's horrific to look at, but it was tough from one angle of how horrific it is. It isn't taught from the other angle of, well, you don't know the circumstances of why that's
1: happening. Yeah, yeah. It's very religious. It's essentially kind of brainwashing through horror, you know, like I would have yeah. said uh, we had that class as well. And we had some come out and given us the little pins of like kids feet at age I don't know, six weeks or whatever or something. And we'd wear that and be like, oh, people who have abortions are monsters. And then we kind of grew up, and went into the world and was like, actually, it's a bit more complicated um, mm-hmm. than that. And there's so many reasons why people get abortions. And it just was never thought about from that perspective so this is why you know this you know I would identify as pro-choice but I understand that a lot of people are anti-abortion and that's none of my business the same way being pro-choice is none of their business you know it's Mm -hmm. literally no one else's business apart from the person who's having the abortion um for all their reasons so but I think we don't understand that unless we hear about it and we learn about other perspectives and learn things in a very objective way so you Mm -hmm. know it's it's, it's not a great way to just teach things from one side of, of things. So,
0: yeah, you know. that's true. And I think Anything? maybe, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was going to say it's one of those topics that I feel maybe sometimes people won't fully have a formed opinion of it until, God forbid, they somehow experience it either themselves or through somebody close to them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or you know, um, even I remember during Repeal, Tara Flynn had a great um, play on and she talked about her abortion. And, you know, you just look at the crowd and like half the women are crying in the crowd because they're all just relating to it and, you know, things yeah. like that. And it's just. Like stuff like this is all really common, but we just we just didn't talk about it sometimes. And I remember I canvassed for repeal and I knocked on this old lady's door and she's like, Which side are you on? And I was like, Oh, I'm for for repeal. You know, I want you to vote yes. And um and she just kinda held my hand and just looked at me and she got her eyes kind of got a bit wet and she's like, she just held my hand and said, Thank you. And
0: I was oh like, geez, that's
1: some stories behind that, you know? And it was just it was very, very difficult. Um, for a lot of it but it just shows you how nuanced the sex and the body is and, and our relationships with, with those topics and um, I think just treating people with kindness compassion no one's a monster for having sex and no one's a monster for wearing a condom you know all these kind of things mm-hmm. and which would have been very shameful in Irish society as well um like the fact that you couldn't even get condoms was just wild like you know it's just yeah a- absolutely shocking but um yeah it just it just shows you like we haven't we have come very far but on the same stage we still haven't because once we get that piece of good sex education in then i think we we start empowering a lot of people but when we're at the stage now where we have like quite a large volume of first years going into college and they've either already experienced sexual abuse or they're gonna experience in their first year that's absolutely not okay you know and like even bigger than that um you know, I wrote an article the other week for the examiner on how sex education can change the world. And it's true because, you know, I've worked seven years in refugees. And they're just full constantly and it's people who you know hadn't maybe learned about what a healthy relationship was didn't spot the signs you know of what what abuse was um all this kind of thing or were subject to stigma from fem- family or friends who didn't understand what domestic violence was so then they end up in a refuge because people are like oh we don't believe you or oh, I should just go back to your husband or whatever it happens to be and it's like if we can actually teach people at a really young age what healthy relationships are we really empower them and then maybe maybe down the line, we don't need any refugees, you know, because people treat each other with kindness and respect. But we might have a long way to go on that aspect. But it, it is, it's sex education isn't just insert penis and vagina. It's all about yeah. the spiritual side and the emotional side, and even the political side. You know, if, if the law isn't letting you marry your, your partner or access contraception, sex is a political um, activity then as well. So I think there's, there's a lot to understand the holistic nature when it comes to sex. Oh, definitely.
0: It covers so many things because even here, I'm, I'm looking at the notes we have for this podcast and it's all obviously just sex education and skills. But the more we talk about it, I'm like, my God, it's not you can't just talk about that without bringing so many other things in because it's not yeah. just how it's taught. It's why it's taught a certain way. And then, like you said, it's the political, it's the religious, it's everything comes into it um Absolutely. it's a such a huge massive area you could go on and on um I suppose we don't have the time to go on and on um so the last thing I wanted to ask you is um is there anything maybe that I haven't asked or anything that should be noted in this for people to take away
1: oh um how long have you got um <laughs> like you said there's so much to it I suppose I suppose um if this is something an area that you're interested in first of all you know recognize that You know, as Irish people, we do have that intergenerational trauma and silence around sex. So it's okay to be anxious and messed up and not have the words around sex. That's all completely normal, unfortunately, in our society. Um, But I think if you want to get help for your young people um, that are in your lives, you know, there's tons of great books out there now that are inclusive, really, really modern, non-judgmental, absolutely fantastic. And like I mentioned before, there's Sarah who, who will support you and support your young person as well. Um, and I think, you know, being proactive is really sending that message out to your young person and to society as well that, hey, we care and we don't want um, you to be in a potential position of harm or things like that and you know even if you were to talk about this with the young person in your life just even saying things like hey um you know i here's here's some condoms i'm absolutely dying mortification of this this conversation and just even naming that is kind of half the battle sometimes but you know it's even things like you know do you buy condoms for your child do you like give them lube to use with them all those things because condoms can break without lube so all those kind of things and just think it's really important and we do empower people when we give them information and choice and we don't judge people so I think you know working on our own biases and our own learnings you know we can kind of unpack that at the same time but you know to build a consent culture in Ireland really does involve getting decent good sex education in off the ground so maybe having a chat with your school and saying hey what can we do to, to help this and how do we bring in consent because um, consent really is that foundation for a healthier society. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's time. It's time to do it like there's You know, no more putting our heads in the sand. It's it's time, time to go. We, we need to do this now. Yeah, I would definitely
0: agree with you. Um, I think that's it for, for this one anyway. So thank you for coming on, Caroline. And that was Dr. Caroline West. I hope you found this episode interesting and it gave you something to think about. As always, for more information on us here at The Open College, you can go to theopencollege.com and you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast picks from.